You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What is good, you guys? Hope that you are doing well. We are in part two of Life in Exile, walking through the book of Daniel. Last week, we said a lot of context uh, about Daniel, his buddies, and their new life in a foreign land. Uh, If you didn't catch that, you can find that on episode one of this series. This week, we're jumping super far forward from chapter one last week all the way to chapter two this week, and we're going to camp out there. And before we get into the actual passage, I'm going to set a little bit of the stage here. Uh, For the first 13 verses, this is kind of what goes down. King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, ruler of really the known world at the time, has a dream and wants his magicians, medium sorcerers to tell him what it was and what it means. So he wants them to tell him what his dream was and then tell him what his dream means. They can't. And his response is not great. He orders for all the wise men, quote unquote wise men, to be executed. And that includes Daniel and his buddies. If you remember last week, they were brought in and were given positions of influence as wise men of Babylon uh, because of what happened in chapter one. So they're included in this, this execution order. So where we pick up is Daniel chapter two, verses 14 through 16. It says, then Daniel responded with tact in discretion to Arioch. So Arioch is the captain of the king's guard and he comes to say, hey, unfortunately, you guys have been included in this execution order. So it says, Daniel responded with tact and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Arioch, the king's officer, why is the decree, the decree from the king so harsh? When Arioch explained the situation to Daniel, when then Arioch explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. So the first point this week is calm under pressure calm under pressure. Daniel, I he could have lost it. He could have screamed about how unfair it was, but he responded with what it says is tact and discretion. And a question that we have to ask is, are we able to respond with tact when something unfair happens in our lives? Are we able to respond with discretion when something unfair happens in our lives? Personally, I'm a pretty emotional guy, and my responses are unfortunately often rooted in that emotion. But we have to understand that life is not fair. Most of us have probably experienced that by this point, and that happens kind of in two ways. One, sometimes we we get things that we don't deserve in a way that is like, hey, like I didn't do anything wrong, and yet life is still unfair. Something bad happened to me. But also, sometimes we don't get the repercussions that we deserve when we do something bad, and there isn't really a consequence for that. Life is unfair in both directions, and we have to understand that that means that life is unpredictable. So are we able to respond with tact, tact and discretion when the unpredictable or unfair happens in our lives? lives. And like I said, as an emotional person, sometimes I respond with emotion instead of tact and discretion. My oldest son, Maddox, he is uh, nine and he is very emotional because his dad is and his mom is. So he has a double dose. And I often ask him the question, are you in control of your emotions or are your emotions in control of you? And a couple weeks ago, we had a little throwdown uh, fight about a situation and he just got super emotional and I yelled at him. And what I yelled at him was, are you in control of your emotions or are your emotions in control of you? And immediately the Holy Spirit is like, are you like, are you in control of your emotions? Cause you just yelled that quote unquote word of wisdom at your kid. And I was super, super convicted. And I think that it just, it just highlighted in my own life that the tact and discretion and being calm under pressure needs to be something that is present 
in my own life. And maybe that would apply to you too. In fact, Daniel chapter two, verses 17 and 18, the next two verses show us how Daniel and his friends continue to respond to this unfair circumstance, this life ending circumstance that was being put in front of them. Verses 17 through 18 say, then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, about the matter, urging them to ask the God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. So how did they respond? They responded in prayer. They respond by praying. And I wish that I could say the same thing, that in all unfair or unpredictable circumstances, my first initial response is prayer. But they don't look for a way to run. They don't look for a way to get out of the situation. They come before the God of the heavens, and then they look for an answer in him. And I think that we have to ask, like, honestly, how natural is it for us to turn to God and first over the other possible situations in our life? Do we look at other possible situations first, or do we look to God first? Is it is it second nature for us to look inward to ourselves or heavenward to Jesus? Are we looking inward at our own strengths and capabilities and our own solutions, or are we looking heavenward for Jesus's solutions? Because that response will change everything. Verse 19 says, the mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night, and Daniel praised the God of the heavens. So he goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, hey, we, we need to approach the God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery. And what's God's response? He reveals a mystery. So the next point is this is that God answers prayer. I know that if you grew up in church or you have a strong relationship with Jesus, God answers prayer is not a revolutionary point. But hear me. I think that it can be really easy for us to forget that we worship a God that not only listens to our prayers, but also answers them too. Daniel asked God to reveal the mystery, and his response was the revealing of the mystery. He answers prayer. It isn't always with an answer that we expect or that we want, but God does answer. We just have to pay attention. It's important that we understand that God is not just a divine sounding board. He is actively working and moving in our lives and the lives of people around us. And I think we can have a holy expectancy of God. And when I say that we have a holy expectancy of God, I don't mean that we have a holy expectancy that he will do what we want him to do, but we have a holy expectancy that we, he will do what he wants to do, that what he needs to do, what we need him to do. So a holy expectancy that our circumstance will be solved or our circumstance will be handled in a way that God seems and deems fit. God knew that there was still a lot more that Daniel and his buddies were going to do in Babylon. So he intercedes and he does what only he can do and he reveals the mystery in order to save their lives. And I love the next passage because Daniel worships the Lord with a prayer that can serve us in two ways. One, as a reminder of who God is and two, as a template for a way to pray and praise God. So this is what Daniel says. It says, Daniel praise the God of the heavens, and this is what he says. May the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and the season. He, he removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I offer thanks and praise to you, God of my ancestors, because you have given me wisdom and power, and now you have let me know what we asked of you, for you have let us know the king's mystery. And now you have let me know what we asked of you, for you have let us know the king's mystery. So, so good. 
So the next point is simply this Daniel's prayer and Daniel's prayer is something that I think that we can learn a lot from. And we don't have time to dive super deep in every aspect of this prayer. I think this could be an entire sermon series, but, but I want to run down the prayer and give us some bullet point things that we could think through, understand, and maybe even implement into our lives moving forward. He says, wisdom and power belong to him. Daniel says, wisdom and power belong to God. When we feel like we do not have the answers, would we never forget that he does? Wisdom and power belong to him. We don't have the answers. More times than not, we do not have the answers. But he does. Would we never forget that he is in control? It says that he removes kings and establishes kings. In the middle of Babylon, facing a life and death situation, Daniel understood who was in control. He removes kings. He establishes kings. His life was actually in the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, but his eternity was in the hands of God, and he didn't lose that perspective that God was in control, that yes, this human king is in charge of this nation that I am subject to, and he could kill me at the drop of a hat. He's not in control. That's not my boss. God is. Like that is crazy perspective that in that moment, Daniel understood that the only reason that King Nebuchadnezzar was the king in Babylon is because God was allowing him to be. Life will be difficult at times. But if we have that perspective, if we can face the different circumstances in our life, understanding that God is in control, that he establishes everything, that will change everything. Then he says this, he says, he reveals the deep and hidden things. This has obvious meaning for Daniel as God has just revealed what he was asking him to reveal. But, but it also is a reminder that we can pray for God to reveal things that we simply do not understand. How many of us have read scripture or, or come against a circumstance and been like, I don't get it. I do not get it. Would we not forget that we serve a God who reveals mysteries? That just like God revealed a mystery to Daniel, he could reveal a mystery to us. And that could be a dream that we have. That could be a misunderstanding of scripture. That could be a, I don't know why this is happening in my life, whatever it may be. But if we posture ourselves before the Lord and say, you are a revealer of mysteries, and this is definitely a mystery to me. My kids, my wife, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my parents, my teacher, whatever is a mystery to me, and I need to better understand them. He can help you do that. He's a revealer of the deep and hidden things. He can do that. Then it says this, God of my ancestors. It's important that we understand that God has been doing this for a hot minute. (laughs) Our situation, our circumstance is not new or unheard of to him. It's not like our life and what we're going through right now. God's like, oh my gosh, this is the first time. I don't know. I don't know how to in, in, engage with this situation. He's God. He's God. So when we would we say God, ancestor, the God of my ancestors, the one who, who has wisdom and power, the one who had wisdom and power still has wisdom and power. The one who removed kings and establishes kings is still the same God who does that today. The God who revealed things to Daniel is the same God who can reveal things to me. God of my ancestors, do what you've always done. Continue being God. Would we have that understanding? And then he goes on to say, you have given me wisdom and power. So he starts the praise, the prayer with wisdom and power belong to him. And then he says, you have given me wisdom and power. It's a reminder for us that what he has, he wants to freely give. That the wisdom and power that God has is something that he wants to impart onto his people. That we would understand that through prayer, through petition, through intercession, we would understand that the power and wisdom that God possesses is something that he gives to us. When we look at Jesus, God incarnate, the God made flesh in our, in our world as he's leaving, he tells the disciples, 
You're going to do what I did. In fact, you're going to go do greater things than I did. It's a promise that when we engage, when we intercede on behalf of the people around us or for our own life, God will impart what he has onto us. And then he says this, you have let me know what we asked of you. You have let me know what we asked of you. I think it's a reminder for us to not pray alone. And I don't mean that we cannot pray by ourselves. I mean that intercession in partnership with others, whether you are physically in the same place or not, is powerful. That we would be people who are praying for one another. We would be people who, who identify things in our lives and in our world that need prayer. And we say, hey, can we come together and collectively pray for this? That is something so impactful. Daniel is the one who went before the king and asked for time. But then he comes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, hey, would you also be praying to the God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery? And God does doesn't come down and reveal it to all of them. He reveals it to Daniel, but it was because of the petition and intercession of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in partnership with Daniel, why the mystery is revealed. Will we never lose the perspective that praying together is powerful? The story goes on to say this in verses 24 through 26. It says, therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had assigned to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He came and said to him, don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king and I will give him the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found a man among the Judean exiles who can let the king know the interpretation. The king said in reply to Daniel, whose name was, Belth- whose name was Belthazar, are you able to tell me the dream I had and its interpretation? Are you able to tell me the dream that I had and the interpretation. Last week, we talked about the fact that we are exiles in Babylon, just like Daniel was. And this next point is important for us to understand, that being in exile is not a disqualification. Being in exile is not a disqualification. King Nebuchadnezzar didn't scoff at the idea of Daniel having an answer. He says, are you able to do this? Are you able to tell me the dream that I had? And are you able to interpret the dream that I had? He invited Daniel into the conversation. Arioch said, this is a Judean exile. I just want to make this really, really clear. This is a Judean exile. King Nebuchadnezzar, Judean exile right here, this guy. And King Nebuchadnezzar goes, well, why'd you bring this guy? Like his opinion doesn't matter. No, he said, I'm the king and I have this to say to you, Daniel. Are you able to tell me the dream that I had in its interpretation? See, for you and I, it's important that we understand that Jesus, just because we are called to live set apart as exiles in Babylon does not mean that we won't be invited to the table. The biggest question that we have to answer is whether or not we are going to bring something worthwhile to that table. Too often, we jump to the conclusion that people do not want to hear anything that we have to say. And may, maybe they don't, but maybe they do. And if they give us the chance to speak, if they ask us to speak into a situation, are we going to have anything to say? And maybe even more importantly is, is that something that we want to say rooted in Jesus through prayer, or is it rooted in our own opinion? Because oftentimes we finally get invited to the table, and the reason that we put our foot in our mouth is because our opinion, or or, or the thing that we have to say is rooted in our own opinion, not rooted in the truth of Christ. So would we be people who come before Jesus? The reason that Daniel had an answer for King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't because he thought of the interpretation it was because he went before the Lord. When we get invited to whatever situation it may be in our life, can we say, this is what I think, or can we pray through it and say, man, I feel like God has given me wisdom. And it doesn't mean that every single time somebody asks you your opinion on something, you say, well, Jesus says, no, but we can know internally, I spent time before the Lord interceding and asking the God of the heavens to reveal what he would want me to say in a situation like this. So King Nebuchadnezzar opens the door for Daniel to speak on whether he can interpret the dream. And because he's rooted in who God is and in prayer, this is Daniel's reply. He says, it says this, it says, Daniel answered the king, 
no wise man, no medium, no magician or diviner is able to make known to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay in bed were these. Your majesty, while you were in bed, thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. So he's saying your dream is a a, a dream about the future. The revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen in the future. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. So what Daniel say is, it's not about me. And the next point for us is, it's not about us. It's not about us. Daniel could have taken all the credit at this moment. He could have said, yeah, like through my effort and my smarts and all of these things, I have not only thought what your dream is, I have interpreted your dream. Am I not amazing? Instead, he deflects all the praise and all the glory and he places it right on God. For you and I, the constant challenge is going to be whether or not we want to claim citizenship on earth or we want to claim citizenship in heaven. Because if we look at our own abilities and our own strengths and our own gifts, then we say, I'm a citizen of this earth and I'm a good one. Like I should be high and lifted up among the citizens of this earth. But if we say, no, I'm going to deflect everything and all my praise and all my worship and all my glory is going to go to God and I'm going to say, everything that I am is because of him. That's us claiming citizenship in heaven. Daniel's posture was steeped in prayer and humility, and his life was a walking billboard that said that exact thing. Everything that I know, everything that I do is because of God. And I think most of us would want the same thing to be said of our lives. When we pray about everything and make sure that the glory and honor goes to God, that is us proudly leaning into the truth that we are exiles here on earth and that our citizenship is in heaven. In the next 15 verses, Daniel then proceeds to lay out what the king's dream was and what it meant about nations overtaking and ruling the known world until God eventually ste- steps up, sets up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And I highly encourage you to go look at those 15 verses because it's crazy to look at the historical context and how it has played out in human history. But after this, he says, this is what you dreamed about all of these different things. And this is what that dream means. Nebuchadnezzar responds. And Nebuchadnezzar's response is found in, in chapter 2, verses 46 through 49 it says then king nebuchadnezzar fell face down worshiped daniel and gave orders to present an offering and incense to him the king said to daniel your god your god is indeed god of gods lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you were able to reveal this mystery then the king promoted daniel and gave him many generous gifts he made him ruler over the entire province of babylon and chief governor over all the wise men of babylon at daniel's request the king appointed shadrach meshach and abednego to manage the province of babylon but daniel remained at the king's court now i would love to say that this is the moment where everything changes for nebuchadnezzar but we'll see in the next chapter that the dude still needs a little bit more convincing of who god really is but this moment this interaction sets the stage for the interaction between king nebuchadnezzar and shadrach meshach and abednego next week i just want to end with this our obedience might set the stage for someone else's miracle our obedience might set the stage for somebody else's miracle. And a question that I would love for you to take with you this week is, what are you willing, what am I willing to do today that might make a world of difference for someone tomorrow? What are we willing to do today that might make a world of difference for someone tomorrow? 
Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.